And by the way, in a long time tradition, my dog has gotten something, so I'm going to have to get it from her. Just a second, everyone. Nice, I love it. <laughs> Bella, no. Seriously. We're not. Okay. Yeah, no, we're not. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah. She always finds the wrappers that are left around. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and I'm really happy to be joined to set up this weekend of games by probably the most longtime established columnist writer in the ACC, David Teal. David, hello. Lauren, did you just call me old? No, I said long time and established. <laughs> I was very careful. <laughs> <laughs> you may call me old. We're friends. You're allowed. I do think you might be the oldest person I've had on this podcast. Wow. How about that? Yeah. I know. I think it's a compliment to you because you're still very young and trendy at heart. You know? I'd like to think so. And that's the benefits of having an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to say, you have, a, you have a young child. So it <laughs> keeps you young at heart. It uh, does. For those who somehow don't know, David has covered... I, mostly Virginia for a long, long time. How many years? Well, I've, uh, I came to Virginia in 1984. So wow. I've been, I've been uh, on the ACC trail ever since. Wow. That's, it's, it, that's insane. Um, <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> uh, David was with, I, oh my God, I always, the Daily Progress. Daily oh, I got it right. Daily, Daily Press. Pro- oh my God, I did it again. See, I've had you on like several of my, of like various things that I do. And I always get the name of, I always got the name of the paper wrong, but thankfully it doesn't matter anymore because it doesn't. You're, <laughs> you're now with the Richmond Times Dispatch. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's awesome. I, I was so glad to see that you got immediately picked back up. Smart on the newspapers there in Virginia to make sure that they snatch you right up and, and let you continue to cover ACC stuff for the benefit of the rest of us. Um, yeah, so I, I was excited to see that. And you got to do a really neat column about, I guess you were in the production truck for, for ACC. No, I was uh, I was in the command center in Greensboro. The command center, that's what it is. Sorry, yes, yeah, that's with, awesome. Yeah, with, with with Paul Brazo, the senior associate commissioner for men's basketball, and um, and his assistant Lee Butler, and then remotely Brian Kersey, the supervisor of officials, was in his little uh, man cave uh, in Newport News, actually, which is where I'm based. And so it was just interesting to to watch them as they observed and evaluated five ACC games in essentially a, a four and a half hour window because the late game went triple overtime. Miami's epic over Virginia Tech last Wednesday night. So it was just fascinating the technology that's involved, what they evaluate, how they evaluate. There were ten replays that night. And just how each of those is broken down in an, in an email instantly with a video of each angle that the officials see, how long it took them to resolve it, what the resolution was, and it, it was a, it was a fascinating evening and some some pretty interesting results that night too, including NC State's route of Duke. 
So you got to see in live action how the ACC works to screw over the teams that it doesn't like. Obviously. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 and and you could see them, the, the, the diabolical nature of how they move their hands and went, wow. <laughs> yes, the evil villain laugh. Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, that was really cool to see. And 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 if anybody was a uh, was appropriate for that story, it was certainly you. So, um, cool stuff. Good good uh, content as always from you. And um, I wanted to have you on too because this is a big weekend um, for Virginia, and uh, we've got Duke coming to Virginia on Saturday. Virginia, uh, I guess last night against Virginia Tech, notwithstanding, has been playing pretty well offensively and has seemed to figure some things out. And obviously Duke seems a little, I don't know, lost might be a strong word, Ooh. but they see <laughs> it's not what we expected to see. Uh, we, it's not what we expect to see from Duke and certainly not with the way that they'd seem to be trending. So this game seems to be intriguing for a number of reasons, in, in part too, because of, um, I think the stat had been put out there by Brian Ives, also a previous podcast guest and ESPN stats guy, uh, ACC Network stat guy, excuse me, but that Virginia, uh, Tony Bennett's record against other ACC teams compared to versus Duke. I think he's, I think it was like in the last, like whatever span of time, I think he's like one of six as opposed to like only having 18 losses against everybody else. So that also adds a layer to this, I think. No, it's, you're absolutely right. It does, Lauren. And and here's here's another way to look at it because I'm a numbers geek, and I've been breaking down some stuff uh, for for tomorrow's paper. This is the seventh straight year that Virginia has been in the top ten nationally in defensive efficiency. Wow! And during that time, they have, the, the Cavaliers have held sixty two percent of their ACC opponents, eighty seven of one hundred and forty to fewer than 60 points. But never in that time have they held Duke under 60 points. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, you can obviously look at tempo a little bit for that, but, I mean, Mm -hmm. most teams are going to play, and even Duke has played some lower possession games against Virginia, but even efficiency-wise, like efficiency-wise, they've put up some of the better performances against Virginia in that respect too, but... It is an interesting thing to me that I feel like Duke has has in that span had, you know, NBA no-brainer guys, you know, the guys that that are going to they're going to get points, especially against other collegiate teams, even against elite defensive teams. And I'm not sure that Duke has quite as many of those guys as we've seen on recent Duke teams. No, I I would agree wholeheartedly. I think one other thing, in addition to having those lottery picks, They've, they've had that inside-outside combination, you know, Zion and R.J. Barrett, Marvin Bagley and Grayson Allen. Now, DeVernon Carey and Cassius Stanley fall in that class? Probably not yet. Um, talking to Mike Young, the Virginia Tech coach, the other day after, uh, after Duke had, uh, had routed them by, I think it was 24 at, uh, at Cameron, he, he talked about it. He goes, I don't think this is a great shooting team, meaning meaning Duke. But mm-hmm. he just he just talked about what a challenge it can be because of Carey's size inside, especially for the Hokies because they're so small. But he, even he's, you know, not a, not a great shooting team. And although the, the result Tuesday night in Winston-Salem just – what were the – they were up nine with 75 seconds to go in regulation – 
just yeah how, do, how does that happen it's 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 pretty wild i mean trey jones didn't we've seen him play pretty well in the you know in the clutch moments and he just he did not you know turned it over a lot had some fouls and uh, it was it's just not something you expect to see duke do to anybody or against anybody but much less a wake team that has certainly been lost in its own right especially yeah. in late game situations um, yeah that was it was all very like i still can't i know that north carolina is also not great this year but i still can't wrap my mind around around the fact that Duke came back from down 10 with 2.06 to go in that game and then somehow loses a 12-point second-half lead at Wake Forest. I don't – it's just – I I don't know how to, like – I don't know how to make sense of those two things existing in the same basketball season, Mm -hmm. uh, much less the same month. And, yeah, it's it's interesting. We saw what NC State did to Duke as well, and you mentioned that. And one thing Kevin Keats sort of said was, like, look, we're going to – you know, we're not going to – well, Vernon Carey, once they got the big lead, especially, it was like Vernon Carey is going to get his two point baskets and that's mm-hmm. fine, but we're not going to let them just go nuts from three and beat us from deep. And I wonder, um, I wonder what kind of strategy we'll see from Virginia. I know they like to double the posts a lot. They do. Uh, um, I, 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 that's a very big question mark for me, too, is how are they going to defend defend Duke in that way? Are they going to be aggressive towards Carey? Because he is going to get to the foul line. He's very good at drawing contact. Are they going to do that? Are they going to, uh, you know, just sort of play off more than they usually do? I don't know. It, that'll be interesting to see. They don't change philosophy too, too much from game to game. They kind of are who they are. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. And in the other, can Kerry stay out of foul trouble? I mean, what did he play? Yes. The, what did he play the other night in Winston? It was fewer than twenty minutes. Yeah, it was like twenty some minutes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and and the game they lost at home to Louisville, I think he committed his fourth foul with thirteen or fourteen minutes to go, and only played twenty one or twenty two minutes. They need they need him on the floor. Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, is. So Virginia, though, the, the mm-hmm. flip side of this is that while obviously Duke doesn't have the same offensive guys as to be just too good for even Virginia's elite defense, does Virginia have enough right. offense against a Duke team that has been, you know, obviously this week notwithstanding, has been pretty good defense or has been, you know, pretty good defensively? That's my biggest question mark, too. Can Virginia score enough? Right. And, you know, last night they, they really struggled – Thomas Wolde Tenside, the, the the junior college transfer who had been so good and who hit the you know pump fake step back three at Chapel Hill to to, to win it late for UVA. Virginia Tech really defended him effectively last night. Just crowded him and and did it with freshmen uh, Hunter Couture and uh, Ahim Nalin were just all over him. And he, I believe he shot one for eight last evening. And, and he's going to have to be better than that uh, for Virginia to win on Saturday. One person who's really come along has been Braxton Key. He's just become mm-hmm. kind of this double-double kind of guy. He's such a good rebounder. And he's been pretty steady, getting them 10 to 12 points a night. Diakite, you know, he, he's – if if he is a challenge for Carey defensively, I'll be interested to see how they try to check Bobby because he he can he can step out to the perimeter now, and he did several times last night when he scored eighteen, 
And then uh, Kihei Clark. Yeah, that was as clutch a, sh- a shot as, as you'll see last night when he rose up and, and hit that three. Um, it of, of all the – Virginia Tech can come to JPJ as often as it wants. Carolina can come there. Nothing matches the atmosphere at Virginia that Duke brings. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's just different. Yeah, it really is. And that's it's it's worked out that that's been the game that of the teams I cover has been on a weekend, has usually been at night. And so this will be uh, uh, I'm going to be there this year again and, and staying with, you know, good friend of the podcast, Caroline. Oh, Dunn, who's nice, nice enough to house me. Yes. <laughs> but, but it is. I mean, I, I think this is my third uh, Duke at Virginia game in the last few years here. And it, it's a, it's a very different and, and special experience for sure. That place gets uh it is a very different environment, and the energy is, is really crazy. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I this is also a Kihei Clark-friendly podcast. We love Kihei here. It's uh, well an interesting should. matchup. Yes, he's just, you know, he's great to watch. He's great fun, and he's been asked to do a lot this year. So it's nice to see it starting to sort of settle in for him and them starting to have success offensively because I thought he was taking a little too much of the blame considering all that he'd been asked to do. Yeah, and he, he's really hard on himself too, Lauren. And it's, it's not like Tony and, and his staff need to be hypercritical because not only has, has there been a lot of basketball put on his shoulders this season, I mean, I just think he feels that responsibility with the big three from, from last season gone. Yeah, no, no doubt. I saw in the wonderful video of Kyle Guy, like, whereas he went crazy after they made the game winner, um, uh, after the game winner against Carolina, he was very um, subdued. And he even said right after, he's like, because I knew Kihei was going to make it. And I just loved that. He put put that video out on Twitter, um, covered in like one of those like velour pink blankets, (laughs) which is like such peak married life. I loved that from Kyle. But He's he's so good on Twitter now. He's he's great. Yes, he is. He's he's one of my favorites. Like he was just a neat guy to cover. I'm sure you felt the same way. Absolutely. well, there are other games being played this weekend, so it was, really? but it was, I know, right? <laughs> Not many of as much consequence, I don't think. Although uh, things start off on Saturday with Pitt at NC State, that's certainly a game of a lot of consequence for NC State. At least yeah. were they to lose that game, and you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk around here. What position is NC State in right now? Are they are they are they safe? Are they not? I think. The be- like uh, everything that state can do right now is win their remaining home games and don't flame out early in the ACC tournament. But right. it's yeah. not a given. I mean, no. we know Pitt's capable. <laughs> yeah, but they they seem to have hit the proverbial wall. Much, I mean, they hit it f- far earlier last season. But what they've lost five in a row, and a, I, I did not see any of last night. But on Twitter, it sounded ugly last night at home against Syracuse. Yeah. And you wouldn't expect them to get blown out um, by a team like, like Syracuse is fine. They're not a bad team, but I mean, to get blown out, like you said, at home. Yeah. They, they do seem to have hit the wall. Um, 
So I don't know. I Yeah, you're probably right. I, and State has too much talent. And I don't think they played all that poorly against North Carolina. But I know that there's a, so much frustration there in the fan base of just this is the worst North Carolina yes. team in so long and mm-hmm. you still can't beat them at all. You get swept and I get it. But I also just don't think I, I, I felt like State left way more on the table in the first meeting with North Carolina than they did mm-hmm. in the second meeting, if that makes sense. No, I, I would agree. And I, I just called up the, the latest uh, net and not to get too much into the weeds. But last season, if you looked at the last four teams in and the last four teams out, the one defining difference between the group that got in and the group did not was your combined quad one and quad two records. If you were below 500 last season, you were not getting in the field. If you were 500 or better, you had a, you, you were probably going to get in if you were on that border. And I'm sitting here looking at NC State. The Wolfpack is 8-8 eight and eight combined against quad one and quad two. They're five and three, quadrant one, three and five, quadrant two. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they've got one more quad one left at Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would imagine, though, that this year might be end up being a little bit different just because of the mess that is the rest of college basketball. So Agreed. that might end up holding up quite well for them, um, mm-hmm. their quadrant one and two their record in that in that stretch i actually yeah. think it will but yeah. i've been surprised to see the bracketologist being a little bit less uh excited about them considering those factors yeah and and non-conference strength of schedule just killed them last season and and this year they're in the they're comfortably in the top hundred of non-conference strength of schedule so Yes, that's a big difference, I think. I think oh, that ultimately, huge. yeah, I think that's what kept them out in a big way, too. I mean, the, the quad one and two, yes, but I think the non-conference strength of schedule, adding in the Georgia Tech and Wake losses last year, it was just, mm-hmm. that was too much. Um, so, yeah, I think that they're in okay position if they take care of business, but, you know, it's it's just tough. I mean, look, I, if if Roy Williams knew what it was, what magic he had against NC State, he'd probably, like he said, he would do it against everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, I know it's frustrating for them to see a nice little bookend on North Carolina's schedule of like seven straight losses in between playing NC State. And <laughs> it's just, ugh. A lot of it's angst like these, in Raleigh. Yeah, it's just like these little green bookends on Ken Palm of like <laughs> a bunch of red for North Carolina. Yes. And those little, ugh, but yeah, I mean, ugh, it's it, they can take care of what they can take care of and be fine. And like you said, I think Pitt's hit a wall, so I'm not too worried about them in that one. Famous last words with NC State, I know, but uh, um, all right, two o'clock. You've got Florida State at Clemson. Um, Clemson's a tricky place to play, yes. as we've seen, even though Clemson continues to follow this year's college basketball trend of making no sense from game to game. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I mean, I they, I guess it didn't make – losing at Georgia Tech is nothing to worry about. But they'd been playing so well before that I think I expected things to maybe go a little bit differently. I did too. And entering that game, Lauren, Clemson had won – three consecutive games by shooting ACC games, by shooting at least 50% from the floor. The only other team to do that this season is Duke. Wow. Only other team. 
That's crazy. And, and then what did they shoot the other night? And uh, it was it might have even been sub forty the the other night in Atlanta. I know they shot it very poorly. And the odd thing was, usually if, if you're an opponent, you're worried about that kind of amoeba matchup zone that Josh Pasner plays. But Georgia Tech switched it up when the zone didn't work early. The Jackets went man-to-man, and that's what gave Clemson fits. So, again, just keeping in the theme of go figure this college basketball season. Yeah, they shot. Uh, they actually shot 58% from two, but they were two of 20 from three, and they oh. turned it over 16 times. So that – you know that'll do it more often than not mm-hmm. you can't make you can't make threes but they they play differently at home they only have i think one home loss in acc play this season in a season where it hasn't been super home court advantagey mattering oh wait they lost to virginia tech at home too because yeah. sure. and they lost <laughs> to notre dame yeah oh at home yes um, there it is okay I so. I see it now. yep you're right you're right yes i had forgotten that had been at home uh, but yeah, they've beaten Duke and Louisville at home. So this is no mm-hmm. given for Florida State for sure. But Florida State, you could argue this is, I mean, maybe at Notre Dame, but this is probably just because of how good Clemson's been at home. This is probably their toughest test left if they want to continue to hold off Duke in the uh, regular season race, I guess. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, I, everyone aspires to more than an ACC regular season championship or title i i get that but florida state joined this league in 1991 and has never won or shared the regular season title i think it would be a big deal for that program to pull that off i do too and that's actually i mean i don't know why it's surprising to me considering the history of the league but it is a little surprising to me that they haven't just because they've had some really good teams yeah and i think so highly of leonard hamilton um and i it's interesting. I, the coach of the year race, I think, has been pretty fluid throughout the year, but um, it seems like he's in the current driver's seat for that, right? I couldn't agree more. I mean, they were they were picked fifth, lost six of his top eight scores from a Sweet Sixteen team, and here he is at fourteen and three in the league. No, I I think he's absolutely the coach of the year right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I do too. I think before this recent skid, Duke's been on. You know, maybe you could have made the case that it's Mike Sh- that Mike Shashevsky would have an argument, mm-hmm. um, especially since I don't think he's won it since like two thousand, which is crazy to think oh, about. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I think he's won three national championships since he last won ACC Coach of the Year. But I don't think giving it to Leonard Hamilton or even I, I thought Tony Bennett might have had an argument as well before uh, Leonard Hamilton has played so well. I think even giving it to, you know, giving it to Leonard Hamilton is not one of the votes that I feel like would be some of the votes that it's been in years past where it's like, oh, hey, you were projected to be this and now you're yeah. this. It's like, no, he's actually just done a really good coaching job and they have won the ACC regular season. I think it's good to reward a team for doing that and a coach for doing that. Mm-hmm. I Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm right on board with you. And, and, and like you, I'm a fan of Leonard. He's just such a nice guy. And you admire the job that he's done there for so long in Miami before that. And, um, they're, they're fun to watch now. I mean, he, he has his pet phrase, they win by committee, and he's absolutely right. You never know from one night to the next because they have so much depth and so much length on both ends of the floor. It's, it's like he makes these guys in like a laboratory and just 
And there are times where you bring a guy into a game where, you know, and even I watch a good amount of ACC basketball and I'm like, who is that? I, I'm, no, I'm like, you just brought this guy onto the team, didn't you? Like, there's no, this guy has not been on this team. No, it's uh, the, the last time I saw him, Devin Vassell went seven for seven from beyond the arc in Blacksburg. So that left a pretty lasting impression. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's so good. I, I think it'll be interesting to see all ACC voting, too, because I think he and Trent Forrest will split a lot of people. Yes. Um, because I think we all recognize how important Trent Forrest is to that team on both ends. But yes, Vassell is such a big key for them um, and what they're doing. So that'll be interesting to see where which way the voters go, because I think they will want to reward a team that, you know, wins the regular season by putting someone on first team. Right. Like there's right. no way you can <laughs> It would be very, it would be very unusual. It's happened, and and I, I yeah. haven't, I haven't run the run the stats recently, but it's been very few times that a regular season champion, especially an outright, has not had a first team all conference guy. Oh, there you go. That'll be worth looking up just in case. But yeah, um, yeah. So they're they're super fun, and and but it's it's a tricky spot. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens because that that could bring Duke right into. Th- Right, right back into it um, in terms of at least getting a share. So, Sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We shall see. Um, four o'clock, North Carolina at Syracuse. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, North Carolina did get that win, and it, it was interesting in the locker room after um, the first. You know, the first win over NC State versus this one. It was just. It was so different, as you might imagine, right? Because it was like. There was a lot of like joy and happiness and they were going to be getting Cole Anthony back in the first meeting. And it was just like, hey, things are looking up. And now it was just like, finally, a win. My God. You know, I mean, talking to Cole Anthony, he was like, I haven't won a game since November. Like, (laughs) or it might have been early December. I think he might be misremembering, but I'm sure it felt like that for him. Um, So, you know, it's it's pretty wild. He might be right. It might have been November because I think he went out. Uh, when did he go out? Cause yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, they've just, they've obviously, yeah, no, he was, he's wrong. They, he won <laughs> against UCLA. There you go. Wait, no, no, actually, excuse me, because he missed the Wofford game. He is right. The Oregon game was his last win the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so he went wow. from November 29th. Uh, through February 25th without winning a game of basketball. That's uh, when he was on the floor, obviously. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of, of the all-conference ballots, what do you do with Cole Anthony? Uh, I don't know that he'll get a lot of love, so to speak, because I feel right. like players that miss as big a chunk as he did. What do you miss, six, play. six games? Is that it? Was it six or eight? Uh, let me see. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, seven. Okay. Seven. That's a big chunk. It is. It I is. think he ends up getting, especially combining that with the, with North Carolina's finish to the season. Right. I think, he makes the all freshman team. 
Maybe. I can see that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, you know. Obviously, you got Vernon Carey on there. Uh, Cassius Landers. Stanley? May, uh, well, see, no? that's where it gets interesting. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's a, that's a you know, maybe that's a switch off that people make. You know, mm-hmm. they, they put in Matthew Hurt even. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And, it and, gets and, interesting. And I could make the argument, having seen Virginia Tech a lot, the Landers Nolly isn't even oh, yeah. Virgin, isn't even Virginia Tech's most valuable freshman. Oh no, that's a good point. Actually, I yeah. love I love me some Tyrese Radford. Yeah, he's been really big for them. He's been huge for them. But I think people will look at the averages and whatnot and just be like, "Oh, it's Landers Nolly," because you know yeah. how that tends to go. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's he could sneak on there. Um, I, I'll be curious to see what happens to Garrison Brooks, who I just think's been really big for North Carolina. Yeah, what did he have thirty the other night? Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's just gotten, and I knew he would because you could see this pro- this progression happening with him. But he's gotten so much better. He's such a fundamentally sound player on both ends. Um, the old stereotype with a coach's son, but it's true with 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 Garrison. He's just he's just so he's so good positionally, defensively, so good offensively, and he's really had to carry them at times, um, even when things weren't going well. But I know the way that North Carolina finished is going to impact his chance to maybe get where he arguably deserves to be on one of those teams. Yeah, I would think I would think he'd be. A, I mean, at least as, as I'm kind of ballparking my ballot I think he'd be a strong second team candidate yeah yeah I I think that's where he ends up falling especially with um the way some guys are stepping up and playing down the stretch I thought first team would be where he would land but I don't think there's going to be enough spots so agreed um but yeah I mean I don't know what they're going to do at Syracuse who knows what even Syracuse is going to do from game to game like Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) like y'all everybody else's guess is as good as mine I don't you know, I mean, they played obviously really well at, at Pitt and then they make the comeback against Georgia Tech. But, um, uh, you know, if they're not hitting shots, it's it's kind of that simple for them. If they're not hitting shots, they're not going to beat um, almost anybody. And if they're not knocking down threes, I think they'll give North Carolina a chance to hang around. But I don't know. Is, uh, is Elijah Hughes on your player of the year radar? Uh, I still think that's Vernon Carey. Okay. But, but, I, but he's certainly been really good. Um, there's a lot of like, it's weird. There's just a lot of disparate opinion on him. I think part of it is because we're used to seeing Syracuse players that lead the team in scoring be so inefficient, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that's not necessarily the case with Elijah. And so I think, I think we're being unfair, you know, to sort of put that on him. But, um, yeah, I think, I think he ends up making it. It's hard to deny his stats. Um, oh, I think he'll be first team. At least he will be on my ballot. Uh, but he, he's kind of on my radar for player of the year. I'm, I'm very torn on player of the year. I could see that. Who else is on there? I think for first team? Or for, for player of the year, who I else mean, is I, on the radar? I think Kerry is. I, I, think, I think Trey Jones is because of his defense. Yeah. And – yeah, I I know some people are they would be in the carry camp as opposed to the to the Trey Jones camp, and heck, maybe they'll split votes. I don't know. And you know, Mooney's. I mean, he's amazing. I mean, just every single night the dude gets a double yeah. double. Yeah, he's he's definitely for me. He's a lock. I've heard some people argue differently, and I think you, I think those people are overthinking things. To be quite frank, 
Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's making my first team. I I don't care what happens from here on out. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a big Mooney fan, and that actually transitions us nicely to Notre Dame, um, who managed to avoid the trap last night of uh, going to Boston College and 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 perishing there, as so many even mm-hmm. good teams have done. <laughs> so. Um. Good on them for that. Uh, it took some heroics, but I mean, look, you just want to get out of Chestnut Hills with a win. Like, it doesn't matter how it happens. Yeah. Um, where Where do you, th- I mean, I don't know. They don't have the best at large resume oh, right they now. A, they have a terrible resume. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate it because I think they just figured things out just a tick too late, you know? No, it's a, it, it, it's real. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here staring at it, Lauren. In stark contrast, or very similar to NC State last season, yeah, their, their non-conference strength of schedule is three oh four. Ooh, no, no, no! I mean, it's just a killer. And oh, by the way, they're one and six against quadrant one. Yeah, best way to Syracuse, right? Or at Clemson? Yeah, yeah, Oof. I would. One of those. That's not good. That's you need something else in your cap, and unless they can beat Florida State at home, they have literally nothing else. And so, yeah, it's it it stinks. I love watching them play. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. as big of a Notre Dame aficionado as I am, but I love watching them play basketball. I love the the way they play offense when they are when they have guys that can shoot. Um, I, I really enjoy them a lot. Oh, so. I, I, as do I. And uh, again, dating myself. I've known Mike Bray since he was an assistant to to Mike Shashevsky, and it. I mean, he's just he's as good a guy as, as there is in the business, and doesn't take himself terribly seriously, which I have always appreciated. And uh, he's been he's been a godsend for Notre Dame, and vice versa. They've been the perfect match now for two decades. Do you think T.J. Gibbs sneaks on a team? He might. Yeah, he's been playing really, really. He's probably the guy that's been playing as well as anybody right now that is not getting. I mean, it's Notre Dame basketball, so that's why. But he's not getting quite as much attention for how well he's been playing. He's one of the best shooters in the league. Yes. Yeah, he's shooting. I think he's like 50% from three. Mm -hmm. It's wild. But um, that's a team for me that I circle a little bit that could make some noise. Yeah, for sure. Um. But they obviously, yeah, because they'll avoid Tuesday. So they should, um, yes. So that'll help them some. I, I'll be, it, it, I just enjoy watching them. The longer they stick around, the better for me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it'll be fun. Uh, but Notre Dame at Wake. Um, whew, I, did, I just wonder. I, I just wonder if the Deacons just exhale after the other night, and I just wonder if they'll have any gas on Saturday. That's my biggest thing, too. Yeah. I mean, it just it, we've seen it in the past. I mean, they beat North Carolina. And I know, again, we all know North Carolina is not that great. But that's still, you know, that's a 17 point win against a team that they hadn't beaten in a little while. It's a team that their fan base despises worse than probably any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, then they go out and they go to Miami and lose by 17. You know, I mean, that's uh, so the the history is not great for them um in terms of what they've done after big wins and yeah that tends to be the way i read that game too i i i don't know that they're able to sustain that um but olivier sar has just been so so good and that'll be a tough matchup for mooney and company for sure agreed 
that's the one good thing from the Danny Manning era. Um, that's the one thing he can, I think, really point to and say that's, that he did really well was any big man they got in there. I don't think they've had one big man that didn't get extremely so much better under his under his sort of tutelage and coaching. Um, and that's I mean, there's that. That's that's a mm-hmm. good thing that happened. Wake fans. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's an olive branch. In that way, you can remember it more fondly than the Jeff Bastelic era. <laughs> yes. And Danny is, is actually, at least when you get Danny, and I don't know if you found this too, if you've done much one-on-one with Danny, but when you get him in those settings, he's actually very charming and nice, um, as opposed to press conferences when he's usually angry about something. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I've, my, my one-on-one interactions with him have been limited to Operation Basketball. And obviously coaches are more relaxed in that setting because they haven't lost yet. But I've always found him to be very charming. I also really loved after the game the other night when, um, you know, Brandon Childress obviously had a big close to that game. And then they asked Coach K about him and he said his dad would have scored in the first First half. half. And I just, oh, oh, it was just wonderful. Uh, It's it's a great nod to ACC history. And and you, you youngins out there, be sure to Google Randolph Childress if you don't already know. Yeah. It was it was 25 years ago in Greensboro, kids. I was there. Was it really? Oh my god! So was yeah. I. Nineteen. I mean, I wasn't working. Nineteen ninety-five. Yeah. That's gonna put me. Oh, that's gonna put me so hard into my Greensboro feelings in my hometown. Uh, when we go back, that was it's gonna put me right back. It was those three days were just incredible. And that was back when you could get a book of tickets for like not very much money, and mm-hmm. you know the regular folks could could go and, and attend all the games, which we always did every year. It was in Greensboro, and just to be to be there for those games, me as a twelve year old crying when Rashid Wallace sprained his ankle because I he was my favorite player, wow. still one of my favorite players. Um, I'll just never forget it. Um, that was like when I fell in love with basketball. You know that that was that tournament. That's a great story. <laughs> and I, I didn't know it was 25 years. That's that's mm-hmm. awesome. And that's going to like, oh, man, that's, that's I'm already in my Greensboro feelings again. Let's just we should just move on. Okay. Um, <laughs> Miami at Georgia Tech at eight o'clock for some reason. Yeah. Um, what's that about? <laughs> I would have thought they would have. I'm not complaining because now I can actually like function and do something fun in Charlottesville after Duke, Virginia. But I would have thought they would have put that game at eight o'clock. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, ESPN had its choice, and they put um, my uh, Maryland, Michigan State, and that's where game day's going to College Park. Yeah, and that makes some sense. Obviously, even mm-hmm. though I, I was I was slightly surprised. I thought they might have gone the Duke Virginia route because I do mm-hmm. think that's that's a more intriguing game to me. Um, but with Maryland the way they've been playing here lately, maybe maybe that actually is a little more intriguing. Maryland and Michigan State, so. Um, and the way Michigan State's been playing lately, too. So maybe that is a little bit more interesting. Um, the TV execs choose it for a reason, obviously. Yes, they do. Uh, Miami at Georgia Tech, 8 o'clock. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it, ultimately, this doesn't – I've been surprised at how well Miami has been playing lately, though. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't expect that based on the Miami team we saw earlier in the year. I know they're getting healthy. I know some of their younger players are getting better. But – 
you know, for them to to win three of the last four, and I know they lost by a lot at Notre Dame, but you know, I, they've been playing really well, and and it wouldn't shock me because for whatever reason, Georgia Tech seems to show up very well against the good teams in the league, and not as much against the others. Um, I could see that being a sneaky one for Georgia Tech. Well, you mentioned Miami's younger players come. Isaiah Wong took over the end yes. of the Virginia Tech game. Yeah, he really did. And oh, three overtimes. That's amazing. <laughs> Just ugh. Yeah, he he's he's been playing so so well. Um I like some other and I love obviously when Chris likes does anything well that makes me incredibly happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just fantastic and uh, yeah, I mean, they don't have a ton of depth, but just getting guys healthy has been a big thing for them. Keith Stone, 18 rebounds, 12 points in that game. My goodness. Um, but yeah, they've got guys contributing that haven't been really. Um, ultimately, obviously, neither of these teams are going anywhere of significance, so it doesn't really matter. But It does not. <laughs> Georgia Tech is so frustrating, though. I just, they should be, I feel like even with the injuries they had, they should have had a better start to the season. And some of their results this season, even even when they started playing better and even when they got Jose Alvarado back, have just made no sense to me. Somebody asked me on a radio show before the season, and I had been on the same show a year previous, and they had asked the same question. They said, Give us an ACC dark horse. And so last season, I gave them Louisville. And they're like, oh, you pick Louisville. You must be smart. Give us, a, give us another ACC dark horse. And I picked Georgia Tech this year. And, okay. many, and, and many times I have felt very stupid because, <laughs> because they just haven't looked the part. Yeah, it's just – but it's weird because they have – I think they have really good players, you know? I mean, do they have a ton of them? No, but they have guys that are capable of scoring. Uh, James Banks, Moses Wright, Jose Alvarado, like those guys are really good players and better than a lot of other ACC teams. And yet here they are just sort of middling along and I don't understand it. Yeah. And I'm not sure Josh Pastner does either. (laughs) Yeah. If he's not too busy naming courts and building statues for every coach he plays against he he just bless his sincere heart he just needs to tone it down a little bit yes he's what uh he's what the kids today i think would call extra (laughs) yes that's josh it's like all right dude easy like okay like didn't he I think he said after they like won at Wake and Wake has just didn't look very good and he was just like this team is really really good and Danny Manning is an amazing coach and Wake fans were like dude you know yeah. <laughs> easy tone mm-hmm. it down uh, uh, and then we got Sunday six o'clock Virginia Tech at Louisville oh dear yeah poor Virginia Tech it, it, it catches Duke last Saturday at Cameron with Duke coming off a 22-point loss to NC State. And now Virginia Tech goes to Louisville and is catching Louisville coming off that dreadful second half against Florida State the other night. Which, by the way, that that second half, Lauren, by Florida State, that might be the best half of basketball that's been played in an ACC game this year. Yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily argue that at all. That's that's as well as anybody's played, and um, Louisville didn't play great, obviously. But I think honestly, losing Malik Williams when they yeah. did in that game mm-hmm. was a big had a big oh, impact. And I am concerned about them long term because of that. 
I, yeah. <sighs> I don't know where they go. I, yeah, I think so. And I, I don't think I've heard much else since mm-hmm. that game. I just know he came back out in a boot. And yes. That's never good. No, it's not. And, and he went out, what, early? Yeah, early in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and against a team with Florida State's length and size, that's, that's a killer. They're just going to need a whole lot more from Stephen Enoch. And look, I'm, I'm, I want Stephen Enoch to be this amazing back-to-the-basket post player. But at the, he's not the player defensively that Malik is. And offensively, when he gets going, he looks great. But that's, you know, I feel like that doesn't happen quite as often as I would like it to. I don't know why he drives me so insane. That's just the guy for me that I look at and I'm like, look at his, the way he is built, built you yeah. know, and the way that at times he gets the ball down there and he may, and he, you know, he, he's able to score and you just go, why, why do you not do that all the time? Why do they not get the ball to you like a million times a game and have you be this dominant big? And I just don't fully understand it. Yeah. I forget which game of theirs I was watching recently. And, he was just unstoppable. No, oh, I, I think it was the night I was in Greensboro in the command center against the Syracuse zone. I mean, he yeah. just went crazy. They, they, they had no answer for him. Yeah, he's capable, and I've seen it too. And there are times when I'm like, this guy should be the best big man in this league. And I just, I mean, look, he's capable of stepping up. Maybe he does, and maybe he helps replace like what Malik um, you know, leaves behind, obviously. I just hope they can get Malik back for the NCAA tournament because that would be that would really change the trajectory of of their postseason for sure, I think. No question. Yeah. Um I don't know that Virginia Tech has much of a shot in this game. I don't know that they would have even if Louisville wasn't mad. But no, I, I don't <laughs> I don't like the Hokies chances at all. Uh what do you think of my theory that uh North Carolina broke Virginia Tech? That's not a bad theory because they are one and eight since. Oof, and that was such a that was such a weird game too, where I actually felt like um, I think that was the game that was a game where North Carolina was missing somebody too. I mean, that's hard to narrow down. Besides Cole Anthony, I don't remember Brandon, who else. Brandon Robinson. Yes, thank you. It was Brandon Robinson, and I just remember thinking they had no chance in that game as well as Virginia Tech had been playing. And I was starting to wonder if that game was going to change the, traje- the trajectory of North Carolina season in a positive way mm-hmm. because it looked like they were going to win it. And they weren't able to do that in one of their many post game or late game collapses, so to speak. Yeah, um, the, the only game Virginia Tech has won since is against Pitt, which isn't beating anybody right now. Yeah. No, they're not. And and they did play well at home against Virginia, um, but they put themselves in such a deep hole. Um, at 11, halftime, it was, yeah, eleven first half points will do that to you. Yeah, I mean Virginia Tech just needs so many things to go right to score right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know that those things are going to go right enough to keep up with Louisville. So, not much to see there. I mean, look, I've said this all year on this podcast, and you could tell me if you agree. Like Virginia Tech is sort of just turning into who we thought they were, and that's that's not a shot at Mike Young or anything because he did a good job to get them to where they were in the beginning of the season. I think if you would have uh, polled Virginia Tech fans in preseason and told them that you will win six or seven ACC games this season, I think they all would have signed up for it. 
Absolutely. I mean, they're 15 and 13 and they've got, I mean, they've got a win over Michigan State. Like they've played well at times. Um, It just didn't last and that's okay. Sure it is. I mean, and it wasn't going to last. It, it, right. Not the way the roster is constructed. It, it just wasn't. The Mike Young experience versus the Buzz Williams experience. How, how, how has that oh been my, for y'all? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Talk about a jarring contrast. But <laughs> Mike is as, uh, down to earth and unassuming as Buzz is a showman and pretentious. Um, And, and Hey, Buzz could be wildly entertaining, but at the end, but at the end of the day, it was all about Buzz and Mike Young would just assume fade into the woodwork and, and Buzz Williams is worried about his wardrobe and putting on a show, and Mike Young is sitting on the bench before the game watching warm-ups eating popcorn. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. That delightful thing that he does. Like, oh, before it's, every- uh, it's wonderful. It, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so cool. I, I really like Mike, and I think he's a heck of a coach. I think he's going to do well there. And uh, for him – that is a destination job that he's not looking to go anywhere. Buzz Williams always had one eye focused on his team and the other eye focused on the next opportunity. Um, that's not going to happen with, uh, with Mike Young. Yeah. I loved that hire. I know that got mixed reaction at the time, but I, I loved it. Um, I think it's a great hire for them and he's going to turn them around sooner rather than later. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to get you out of here because I've kept you long enough. But please tell everyone where they can find find your stuff because everyone needs to. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, Richmond.com. It's very, very easy. And then you can, if you just hit slash sports, it's even easier. There you go. And you're at by David Teal on Twitter now. You had to change your Twitter name, right? I, I did. I did. And I lost my verification. But who knows? Maybe my next full-time employer will get it back for me. <laughs> Come on, Twitter. Verify David. Let's go. Jeez. We know he's a real person by now. All right, David. Um, will I see you? I'm assuming I'll see you on Saturday. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll see David on Saturday. I'll see the rest of y'all next week. Mm-hmm.